Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Five Property Show. This week, we are discussing rental checkups, and it's our essential guide to effective mid-tenancy inspections. This morning, I have joining me is Karen Marshall, which is our letting agent. Morning, Karen. How are you? Morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Um, we are obviously discussing rental checkups, obviously inspections, which are really important, uh, and carrying out quite a lot over the years yourself. You're a brilliant candidate to discuss this with this morning and just about the importance of inspections themselves and what's kind of all entailed in that as well. Um, I think we were just discussing before we come on there about um, the implications that coronavirus and lockdown and everything's had on inspections and entering people's homes, which has made it really difficult, but obviously um, we're getting back on track, aren't we? We are. Obviously, our tenant safety has been the main thing, so we've had to follow guidelines and make sure that we're doing everything, obviously, effectively. However, so it did obviously put a stop to inspections, but we are now back doing them, and it's nice to be out and having a catch-up with the tenants and making sure that everything's okay in their properties. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things. It is good to interact and touch base with the tenants and just to get eyes on the place and make sure everything's all right to reassure the landlord and then kind of just reaffirm that tenant-agent relationship as well. Because um, we've got so many good tenants that um, we do have such good relationships with and some of them we've not seen for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I think the, the big question is how often do you visit your buy-to-let? Um, and when it comes to protecting the value of your property, mid-tenancy inspections help you stay on top of repairs, maintain a good relationship with your tenants and reduce changeover voids and wear and tear. Um, inspections are not about telling your tenant to make their bed, plump up their cushions, and leave them feeling scrutinised. And I think that's quite important as well. I mean, and I always say that to landlords and tenants, it's not a big invasive inspection where we come to scrutinise how you live and tell you or tell you how to live or micromanage at all. It's really just to reaffirm relationships, make sure the property is in good uh, repair. And if there's anything that needs done um, that we pick up on that maybe the tenants will be overlooked, because obviously they're there day in, day out. So some things you might overlook and things we might pick up on that they don't, that, we could identify as maybe transpiring into a bigger problem. Um, and I think that's really what it's all about. Um, however, there are essential elements in the smooth running of every tenancy to ensure your property is well looked after. Um, so I think um, are um, inspections necessary? Now, mid-tenancy inspections are your chance to stay up to date on the general condition of your property and what it's like to live in. Think of them as a way of supporting your tenant and having an enjoyable home life while caring for your buy-to-let as though they owned it themselves. And I think that's really important as well for investors and landlords who rely on um, their portfolio as um, an income stream and obviously basically their business uh, and they're entrusting us to look after it. So that's where inspections come in. Um, really important. And I think obviously, Ken, you will, like I say, you've had a lot of experience over the years doing inspections. Um, and you will know firsthand the benefits that they have to a landlord. I do, obviously, it's in, to a tenant as well. Like you say, it's a tenant that's living in their home and you can become complacent about some things and maybe not notice something because it just, it very slowly builds up. For example, if you've maybe got like a little leak somewhere 
and you don't really notice it obviously we go in and they're the kind of things that we're looking for like we're not going in to make sure you've done your dishes or made your bed and we say these things to the tenant I, obviously I've been in so many properties doing inspections and they come in and well you walk in and they're like oh I'm sorry I've not done the dishes it's like it's fine or I've not hoovered I'm like it's fine that's not what I'm here to check I'm here to make yeah. sure that the property is like being looked after enough that there's no damage to it and that you've not got any issues as well so it's just to make sure it's building up a relationship where you the tenants feel that they're comfortable enough for you to be able to come into the property and have a look and you're not there to scrutinize them you are there to help them and to make yeah. sure that everything's okay for them and in turn it then looks after the landlord's property as well so obviously it's an investment on both sides when you're going in and doing the property checks it's not just to make sure that the landlord's property is being looked after it's to make sure the tenant's home is still suitable for them yeah and they're not having any issues that they haven't noticed and uh, obviously yeah it looks after the landlord's property and make sure that you're keeping up to date with obviously the regulations for it as well as the maintenance on it as well yeah good points i mean firstly obviously to make sure the tenants comfortable uh, and living um living in the property and then i think yeah safety aspects as well we check all the smoke alarms are still in place that they get tested and they're still working the batteries are not obviously run out and um, carbon monoxide detectors are in place and working um, and that means there's also a record of them at these intermittent stages um, on file, which again obviously safeguards the tenant and also the landlord. Um, I've got James joining in this morning just to say good morning, morning James. Um, and yeah, you're right, James. It's not snooping, um, and I think that's that's the important thing. Uh, maybe a lot of people feel like it's, <laughs> they don't want to be like their home intruded, but it really is a quite a quick look around, make sure everything's all right, have a chat with the tenant. But a lot of the time you end up, you have a time allocated and that kind of overruns because you end up uh, talking a lot longer than you do um, with tenants. And, that, and that's what I think is really good now that we've come out the other side of lockdown and we don't have so much restrictions that we could get back to that uh, interaction with tenants. Um, but I think first things first, to make sure uh, your tenancy agreement includes, obviously, that your stated inspections will be carried out. Um, and I think that um, a visit every six months probably strikes a good balance uh, to keep a handle on things uh, and without being intrusive. But um, we initially, uh, as, as as policy, um, do three monthly inspections um, for the first year anyway. I think generally the rule of thumb we find is if you've got a tenant and they move in um, to a property for the first year, we'll do quarterly inspections. And if we feel things are going fine, they're looking after the property, they're happy, the landlord's happy, um, the rental account's up to date, um, and there isn't any issues and, the, and or cause for concern, we then tend to say, well, we'll come every six months. And if the landlord and the tenant both agree to that, then that's fine. Um, and I think that's a good kind of balance. But I think quarterly inspections for us, I think, work better in the, the first year at least. Um, wouldn't you agree, Kim? Yeah, obviously, it's a good way just to keep it. Obviously, it's a new tenancy. You don't know. Obviously, you can do all your referencing. You can do your viewings with people and see and make a judgment. However, you need to see what they're actually going to be like living in the property. So it's neat to make sure that they're looking after it in the first place. And it's manages to get rid of any sort of teething issues to start with as well. Um, it's sometimes easier, like sometimes if you've got a tenant and unfortunately properties sometimes go like this. So you just have everything can be fine for ages and then it's just issue after issue. So sometimes it's good to be able to go in and just speak to the tenant and see what the issues are and be able to just have a look at them. And then we can put that report forward to the landlord and say, look, these are the things that are needing done. 
when we can get them addressed. So I think in the first instance, three months is a good way to start it. And then obviously you can go to six months if both the landlord is happy with that. Uh, I mean, we've had tenants that are in the properties for years and every time they go in, their house is like a show home. So yeah. it's like it's just you walk in and you're like, how are you? Because your house is absolutely fine. So <laughs> you obviously go around and do a check just for the formality of it. But I mean, everything's always fine. And so it's good with ones like that, that you can do six months. It's a bit less intrusive for them. You're not there as much, but and you know as well that they have good communication with you. So if something did go wrong, they'll be on the phone to you and let you know anyway. So um, it works hand in hand, obviously. It's all about judgment, though, I think. Obviously, just going with your gut and what one you think is going to be more suitable, whether it is three months or it is six months. Obviously, you have to take that on an individual basis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And that's what we're here for is to obviously, we could reassure the landlord, right, this one's fine, everything's going fine. We don't need to be there every three months. We'll just go, we'll reduce the uh, amount of uh, inspections we're doing to give the tenant a wee bit more, obviously, leeway and and how they live uh, without us being intrusive although we try our best not to um but then sometimes sometimes people like the inspections like we've had tenants for so long and i think they actually look for us to to be coming out and and have a discussion and just a chat uh, you made a good point there about um initial like kind of uh, snagging points and teething issues and i think at the start of any tenancy um regardless of whether it's a brand new home or it's something that's just been refurbed or so, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of teething issues just so in that initial like few weeks of settling in. Uh, and whether that's just, uh, although we do obviously move ins and, and show the functions of the boiler and just all the general workings of the property, when the tenant moves in, they're going to have questions. Um, and I think as they go through the, the first few weeks and months, um, there is things that are probably going to be flagged up. So to let them get through that period, settle in and then touch base with them in person again and say, Right, how is everything? Is there anything you want to show me? Um, and I think for a visual perspective as well, you could take um, pictures and things and then obviously relay that back to the landlord as well. And it gets the landlord, has, allows the landlord to put eyes on the property without actually physically being there. Uh, so I think that's important. Um, but some landlords feel that having the rent paid on time means having good tenants, but it's essential to know that your property is occupied in line with the tenancy agreement. That could be any, anything from the number of people living there and how it is used. Um, and the, yeah, that's important as well. I mean, we've had it in the past, the people living in properties that maybe want to declare to be living there. Um, so obviously, and we need to know that. I mean, that could that's something that could invalidate insurance. Um, also, the use of the property. Um, if people are running a business from a, from a premises without the proper, obviously, authorization and things as well. So. They're all, they're all good points to be obviously checking in and making sure are not happening. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've come across a few weird and wonderful things over the years, Kim. Yes, even like pets as well. It's good yeah. to see kind of what pets that they've got in the property because obviously quite a lot of our properties are pet friendly. The landlords are happy to accept pets for them. However, we do have like restrictions in place and when a tenancy starts, we'll state, for example, it's maybe a dog, a cat, dog and a cat. So we have it down like what it is that they're allowed in the property and sometimes they can be a wee bit cheeky and have another one in there. So it's like, you're not meant to have that. So obviously, with regards to pets, obviously, tenants should be getting permission before they're bringing in another pet into the property. So sometimes they forget to do that. So it's just going out and making sure that um, even tenants that have got permission to have pets, just to make sure there's no damage being caused by them, making sure that they're being looked after and that there's no issues with regards to that, as well as obviously checking how many people are living in the property as well as animals. <laughs> 
yeah, I think pets is such a oh god, a topic that we could talk about probably for a whole show, Kevin. Probably. Uh, but I think um, obviously there's so many pet owners, um, and I think I am. There's so many horror stories that people hear and probably see on telly about pets and rented properties, um, and I think it's so avoidable as long as managed correctly. And I think to exclude people um, with pets, I think, is not the right approach because you really narrow the market down when you're trying to find a tenant. Mm -hmm. We have so many brilliant tenants that have got pets, and it's not the pets that are the problem. If they're not looked after properly, that's the problem. Um, I mean, Kim, you're a pet owner. I'm a pet owner. Um, and yes, the, the pet needs to be looked after properly. I mean, and it's all about the vetting process, I think, before and, before and into the tenancy about the pet and how they're looked after. Um, and you could usually tell nine times out of 10, this isn't going to be an issue. They look after the pet and uh, and it's not going to be an issue in the home. But the, the inspection just reaffirms that, that you could check in, right, okay, there isn't any scratch marks, there isn't any damage, the place is not lined with, with fur. <laughs> Um, I mean, you've had a lot of people bring their pets into you, Kim, in the office, and I have over the years as well. And um, yeah, so I think the initial process of that with pets, and then the ongoing inspections. But yeah, pets is a is a topic we could go on and on about. Um, yeah, had people even turning up to viewings. I had one of them, and they actually got the property, and they turned up with their dog. And they're like, "It's okay if it comes in." I was like, "If you can carry it around the property, then that's fine." And it was good though because it gave you a chance to actually like see and see the pet before that. They got yeah. the property and obviously following up in inspections, following on from their move in, it's the property, I, again, it's one of our ones that's like a show home. It's so well looked after. You would There's no smell of dog. There's no like damage from it. So, um, yeah, I think it's important not to exclude people that do have pets. And like yeah. we say, very much of this job is taking things on like an individual basis, mm -hmm. uh, establishing what kind of pets it is that they've got and obviously then going from there on it and taking a larger pet deposit as well. Yeah, just for a wee bit more security for it as well. And I think you find the people that are not willing to put forward a pet deposit, they're the ones that are a wee bit of a red flag. Whereas we've got everybody that we've asked for a pet deposit for, they're like, yeah, that's no problem. I'll just include that in the deposit. So they're the ones that you can see, I think, as well, kind of um, have a bit more confidence in their pet that they're mm -hmm. not going to damage it because they are expecting to get that money back at the end of their tenancy because they know their pet's not going to cause damage. Yeah, of course. Again, that's another safeguard for the for the tenant and for the landlord. And I think, I mean, if people couldn't come up with a pet deposit, it doesn't necessarily exclude them. But people that are more than willing and, and have the, the the funds to do that, it definitely demonstrates that, um, that they're serious about, obviously, looking after the property and they're serious about their pet as well. And you tend to find, like I say, nine times out of 10, people love their animals and look after them properly. Probably sometimes better than humans. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of dogs, uh, I know mine's as, uh, and carts and things that are really spoiled. So, um, yeah, as long as they're looked after. James makes a good point here and says, I had crap plastered after a few months into a tenancy in a high footfall area within a property, quickly resolved, but wouldn't have been flagged without an inspection. Definitely. And that's something maybe that the tenant wouldn't necessarily think, oh, it's not that important. It's just a bit of crap plaster or whatever. But that could really transpire into such a bigger repair and could be really costly if not picked up early enough. Um, so, yeah, good point, James. Um, the level of interest shown by a landlord in looking after their property is often mirrored by their tenant. So regular inspections from a priceless part uh, from uh, form a priceless part of every tenancy, and that is very true. And I think if you are a proactive landlord or you've got a proactive agent who is making sure they're coming and checking the property and resolving issues, the tenant in turn 
will have that same train of thought and think, right, obviously they're serious about looking after the place, I'm serious about looking after the place. And it just protects your investment, um, ultimately, I feel. Um, but let's talk about preparing for your visit. Uh, and although the legal requirements uh, is to give a 24-hour notice, we'd suggest giving at least a week. And we tend to do that, Karen, about a week. You, you plan them about a week in advance uh, to give people time to obviously kind of prepare. Um, not that we want to obviously have their house all clean and things, but it's just to give people plenty of notice. You didn't want to be like, well, I'm coming out tomorrow. Uh, and that, that's when it could feel invasive. Um, and I think it gives us time to obviously prepare routes and things as well. I mean, a big thing about inspections is trying to plan them so that you're not going from here to here to here. Um, you try and get obviously a bunch in the same area and do them all one morning and then do some in another area in the afternoon. Um, I mean, Karen, the logistics of doing inspections you'll have dealt with, obviously. Yeah, obviously we've got quite a lot of properties that are in like similar villages. So it would be a case of phoning up the tenants and asking them, look, I'm going to be in the area at this time. It's okay for me to pop round then. And if they say, yeah, that's brilliant, then I can rattle through about 20 inspections in a day. And if not, then it's just, that's fine. When, when does suit you? So it's really good because obviously we've got, we've been doing it for so long and we've got tenants that have been in it for so long that they have that trust with you. So they're like, well, some of them will be like, oh, well, I'm not going to be there, but you can go in with a key. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. Is there anything you want me to have a look at when I'm going? So it's just obviously not only like you doing a check, but just checking to make sure the tenant doesn't have anything that they want you to, that they want to point out to you. Mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, just obviously giving them enough notice. But I would say a week is probably quite a good one because at that point you're, they still have time to prepare if they want to, if they've got anything that they do want to do before you come round or maybe tidy up before you come round. It gives them a chance to do so and it's yeah. enough for them as well so they can like make arrangements around it. For example, if it's like, um, if they're going out on the school run, it gives them a chance to either one, get somebody else to pick up the kids or another one is you can work around that as well. So you're not obviously interrupting their day. It's something that's going to suit your tenant as well to give you time to go out and do it. But I think the ones that are usually like if you give them over a week's notice, you go to the door as arranged and they're, oh, I forgot or, oh, sorry, yeah. I, I had something I had to nip out for. So a week's usually quite good because it gives them enough time to enough notice and it's not long enough that they forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I forgot as a common one if you leave it, mm -hmm. if you've got too much a window between. Um, but yeah, a week probably about strikes the right balance. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it shows more consideration, creates the impression of an organised landlord and gives you and your tenant plenty of time to think about what to cover. Um, I think also things change and, and we would rather do it in a timely manner. If people have things on and they're not going to be there, then they've got plenty of time to notify us and we could re re rearrange things um, instead of obviously maybe time wasted because that's the most frustrating thing. People need to cancel, they need to cancel an inspection, that's fine. But as long as they tell us about that, there's nothing worse than getting there and nobody being there um, or, and not being able to get in and do the inspection and it's a wasted time frame, um, which is always frustrating. Um, so yeah, to give that time to make different arrangements is fine. You also touched on the point that, I mean, obviously, ultimately, the, the purpose of the inspection is to look at the property and interact with the tenant. But we do have a lot of long-standing tenants who work all the time and they, we do have that level of trust with them. And obviously, we are key holders um, for obviously emergencies and uh, a safety aspect. And they're happy to give us authorization just to look, go in, have a look around um, and, and they voice any concerns that they may have, obviously, when we touch base with them. And they're happy for us to go in and have a quick look around. And that is, 
that's really important um, to have that as an agent and have that level of trust with some tenants. Um, and we do have that with quite a lot. Um, I think speaks volumes about how we deal with tenants and how we interact with them. Um, because I certainly would like somebody in my house when I wasn't there unless I really trusted them. Um, so that is important. And I think, yeah, trust is a big part, a big part of it. Um, inspections must also be carried out at a reasonable time of the day. Um, I think obviously that goes without saying. Uh, like I say, I just touched on that earlier. We usually do maybe like, we offer AM and PM appointments, but you try and obviously bunch them together depending on area. Um, although we've never encountered a landlord trying to arrange a visit in the middle of the night, ultimately it's simply a matter of finding a time that works for you and the tenant. Um, and that, and I mean, there is a wee bit of logis logistical thing in it because you need to find a time, a common ground that works for you and the tenant, but also works in to your schedule about how you're trying to arrange your day and, and your route of inspections. Um, I think even just now as well, just as we're going into winter, obviously we're getting, it's darker earlier. I mean, it's getting dark by about four o'clock now. So going out, like obviously one of the main things I would check is the gutters on the property. Mm -hmm. And if it's dark outside, you're not going to see that. And you need to make sure that they've not got any growth in them, that you're not spotting any leaks, any marks on the walls that could be potential leaks that turn into water ingress to your property. So making sure that you actually have some daylight as well, I think is quite an important one. Obviously you do have tenants that are maybe not home from work until later on, but it's trying to get somewhere that is in the daylight so you can have a proper look at the property and check it. Although you can have a look inside with the lights on, you do need to be carrying out a check of outside as well. Having a wee look at the roof and make sure there's not any like slip tiles. And like I say, the gutter in as well as, a, as an important one. Yeah, definitely. I think um, things could definitely be so much different in the, the light of day. Um, we, we experienced that with doing property viewings as well. It's just the mm -hmm. same. I mean, as we come into the winter months, it's, I mean, we do obviously viewings, but preferably you want to do a viewing before it gets dark. And obviously we get into this time of year, it's dark at four o'clock. <laughs> um, yeah. And you don't get a proper look at things. And like you say, very important things, the gutters, the roof, and just that visual check from the, from the, the outset of the property. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, you don't need to send a letter, an email, a text, WhatsApp is quite popular now as well. All counts as written notice, and it's wise to reconfirm 20, 24 to 48 hours beforehand. Um, and that's, that is good to do that. And, and again, we do that with viewings for properties as well. In the morning, if we've got viewings of inspections, everything all lined up, we'll double check them all, even just send somebody a text, you remember you've got your inspection today, and even just the okay or yeah, back, then that's fine, that's confirmed, um, which ultimately should eliminate, but obviously also, always, it doesn't always, you appearing at the door and saying, oh, I forgot, or oh, I wasn't expecting you, or ultimately they're not being in. Um, so I encourage your tenant to be there so you could talk together about the property, to avoid forgetting anything, and to make the most of your visit. Prepare a complete checklist of things to review, and it's also worth asking your tenant to write down their list of anything they'd like to discuss. Do tenants ever give you a list of stuff, Ken? <laughs> Occasionally, thankfully not too often. Usually it's just the odd little thing here and there, but you do get the odd list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, it, it does make things easier um, when they've got they've got things uh, pointed down that they feel maybe needs addressed. Um, I've seen a, seen a few long lists <laughs> in my day in my time, but like you say, thankfully it's not a thing that you obviously come up to a lot. But yeah, um, and that's the importance of think uh, the tenant being there and that interaction and uh, discussing points that um, need to be addressed in the property. Um, Sometimes it can be just little things as well, like little things like, for example, they're, they don't know that their radiator just needs bled. 
So they'd yeah. be like, oh, my radiator's only not heat, only half heating up. And I'm like, I've got a key in the car. Go get me some kitchen roll and I'll sort it for you just now. So it's just little things like that that you can you can eliminate at the time of the viewing or at, at the time of the inspection. So sometimes, obviously, we've been doing it for so long, we know the little things that you can just get fixed quite quickly. So bleeding radiators is a key one. We have so many tenants that phone up, like, my radiator's only half heating up. And I'm like, you need to bleed it. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Like, right, I'll do an inspection and come round and I can do it for you. So I think having things like that in your car when you're, obviously we talk about preparing for inspections and it's not just preparing the tenant that you're coming, it's preparing yourself and taking, for example, like a key to bleed a radiator or even maybe a screwdriver. Sometimes things just need to be screw up and sometimes tenants can be, sometimes we have some amazing tenants that are like, oh, this, this happened, but I just fixed it. It was easy enough. So, and they do it, whereas you've got other ones like, my, my handle's loose, like, right, okay, I've got a screwdriver and fix it while I'm here, and that's it done. So it's yeah. just being prepared yourself as, a, as an agent or as a landlord if you're going to just address these little issues at the time. Yeah, these are all easily fixable, minor things that you would be charged by a, by a contractor to go out and, and really just what to screw in a screw or, like you say, let a wee bit of air out the radiator just so the system runs better. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because sometimes tenants have come to us and, Oh, my radiators are not heating up properly and we know that probably it's maybe just a bit air in the system or whatever uh, and people maybe aren't that confident to tackle simple tasks like that because they're unfamiliar with it i mean they think oh the heating system or do you know what i mean so um and they're all things that as a landlord you should be able to identify and take care of and your agent should definitely be able to do that um and that's a prime example karen about obviously an agent who's prepared like you say even if it's just a a screwdriver, a, a radiator key, and just these uh, simple things to hand um, that could help you resolve an issue that otherwise maybe could escalate unnecessarily. So, yeah, definitely. Um, landlord and tenant catch up. Do you know your tenant's plans? Um, if they're thinking about moving, you could start preparing now for any important uh, any improvements you plan to make between tenancies. The more notice you have, the more time there'll be for precision scheduling to minimise the number of vacant days. So yeah, I mean, void periods are things that you need to avoid uh, or try and avoid as much as you can. Obviously, there's always going to be some sort of changeover in between tenancies. How long that period is all, um, all kind of relies on the preparation leading up to that. And I think if you're in contact with your tenant and they're saying, look, obviously, my job's changed or we need to upsize or downsize so we will be moving sometime in the near future rather than just receiving the notice and an email or whatever or through the office like i'm leaving in 28 days right okay um but we were going to do this and we we're going to do that so we're going to do all this and remarket and find a tenant so it's it's getting a, a good time scale ahead of time to be prepared and then we could re-advertise the property have things rectified and find a new tenant and have them lined up and try and have a minimal crossover, if any. Um, I think that's really important. And obviously, Ken, you, uh, Ken, you deal with um, the the letting properties as well, and you've also done property management things, so you know that whole, like, the crossover uh, and how important it is to have that all in place. Yeah, obviously, before, when, when obviously, we were having to be very, like, COVID-conscious, obviously, we still are, but um, obviously, when things were a bit more restricted previously, we were having to wait until the tenants were actually out of the property to carry out viewings, because, obviously, it wasn't fair on a tenant to be taking people in and out of their property. Obviously, it was all, like, masks and sanitizer, which it still is, but 
obviously just when they're trying to vacate and you've got people coming in and COVID was such a strong presence it was hard to mm-hmm. have viewings carried out when a tenant was still in so it was obviously making sure that as soon as the tenant was out we were able to go in get the property checked and start viewing straight away and having people prepared and lined up that are already pre-qualified and ready to get in for a viewing just as soon as the tenant's out to minimize the void period while still being obviously conscious to the tenants and safety aspects of it as well so it's making sure that you've got processes in place so you're one, being safe, and two, then minimising void periods. So you're streamlining it as much as possible. And uh, thankfully, the market is really good just now. So we're looking at, I mean, we've got, our, I think our average for having properties let agreed is one to two weeks. So it's not taking very long just now. And landlords are usually getting their pick of tenants because there's just, there's so many people looking just now and there's just not enough properties on the market. So it is, it's just, it's been so busy just now. So trying to make sure that you do things as streamlined as possible is obviously a very important aspect of it. Yeah, so so difficult just now trying to accommodate everyone and it's just, it's impossible, unfortunately. There just isn't enough property to accommodate all the people that are inquiring or, or interested in property. Um, I mean, it used to be, I mean, the uh, the turnover with, ten- with tenants and property and let for let has always been quite high. Uh, and we always found if somebody was looking for a property one week, and we didn't have what they were looking for. If we did, then the following week and went back to them, they would have found something already. Um, and you, we see that more and more that that's not the case. That when we go back to people, they are still looking. Um, but um, we are just the, the number of inquiries for properties just now is just astronomical. Is mm-hmm. probably the best word. Um, and it is really hard to try and accommodate everybody. And unfortunately, we could only put one tenant or one set of tenants in one property. Um, and the rest have to continue their search or we have to help them try and continue their search. Um, so yeah, it's been challenging uh, recently, I think, um, to try and... Yeah, yeah. You, you get people really frustrated as well because they're like, oh, have you got any properties? And it's like, we just, we don't have what you're looking for right now, unfortunately, or it's, I'm sorry, it's already, the property's already gone, we're in the process of updating it to let agreed. And it's just obviously trying to advise people, like, this is what you can do. Obviously, you can register with Rightmove, you can register with Zoopla and other portals. You can watch the pre-launches on Facebook, but you have to be quick, basically, just now. And if you're not quick, then you you are missing out. People that are phoning a couple of days after a property's gone on the market, it's like, sorry, the viewings are already fully booked for it. And we've got a list already of pre-qualified people that, are ideally suitable for it and we just have to obviously finalise things with them so as it's just it's it's trying to accommodate people that obviously would have in the past we would have very easily been able to give a property to because they are I mean I had one just last week that she was absolutely there was nothing wrong with her application would have been quite happy to give her a property however she just there was an application that was just a little bit more preferable than hers for the situation unfortunately so she did miss out on that however we had a property on came on the market, she inquired, got her view in, and we were quite happy to take her for that one because she was the best candidate for it. So it's nice in situations like that where somebody's maybe just missed out on one, but you're able to get them in somewhere else. So it's just being mindful of that, the people that you are coming across that maybe don't get one, but do you know what, I've got another one that that could be ideal for you. So it's nice to see it in situations like that. And obviously as well, if you've got that one person and the tenants may be moving out, it's like, look, I know... Obviously, you're not going to want people traipsing in and out of your property with us doing viewings. However, can we get this one viewer in? And that's another way to minimise the void period. If you're doing your referencing and your vetting process well, before people are getting in, sometimes all you need is that one viewer. And sometimes a tenant will be more 
acceptable to let you in just with one person as opposed to opening it up to viewings in general. So another yeah. way to minimise the void periods. Yeah, and I think it's important to state, obviously, it isn't about um, cherry picking or anything, like any any kind of scenario like that. It's just, like you say, sometimes the time people come to us, it's like the process is already well underway. There's people already booked into view, um, and it's just unfortunate. And 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 it is it is um, it is sad to let a lot of people down. But like you say, when you get the scenarios, when you think, right, okay, you missed out on this one, but your your application's there. I've got all your details, and then you find them something else. Um, but we do always, I mean, I think it's important to, to point out now that you do need to be registering with agents and obviously make sure they have all your details and things if you are really looking. And like you say, keep up with like, we do pre-launches and things of new properties coming up. And that's how a lot of people are getting in there quite quickly. And some people feel like, well, I, I didn't have a chance, but unfortunately that's just how the market is at the moment. And and a lot of the people that are looking and on our radar, we, we have stuff coming up for the market, whether it's something that's coming back to the market or whether it's something new to the market. And we already sometimes in our head think, oh, they'll be good for that, they'll be good for that, because we've got other details and we know that they're waiting. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just the fast-paced market at the moment. It's just, uh, it is the way it is, and we do try our best to try and accommodate um, everyone to some degree, um, but not always possible, unfortunately. So. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we digress from the situation yes. uh, for the topic, but uh, that's, that's another topic and all on its own. Um, but yeah, I mean, ask your tenants if they're enjoying living in the property and whether anything has stopped working, started to come loose or needs uh, a knack to operate. Like you say, obviously, if there's any of you minor things. And then also, I think sometimes, sometimes appliances and boilers and things. And I mean, at the move in, they obviously get shown the workings of the property and um, how to set the heating and... Um, where the filling loop or things are on the, the the boiler that needs to be topped up, the pressure and things. But the general operations in the property sometimes um, they might have difficulty with, and sometimes tenants won't think, "Oh, I'll lift the phone and ask the agent." So you go to do your inspection, and they're like, "Yeah, I've never used that since I moved in, because I don't know how it," <laughs> or you know something like that. And it's like, "Why did you not ask?" We would have talked you through it. Um, so it gives you that opportunity then to say, "Look, this is what you do, and this is how you do it." And then sometimes if we don't know, we could then maybe touch base with the landlord and say, "How do you work this?" I think one of the um, one of the things that comes to mind when I speak about that is underfloor heating, um, and we have a few properties with underfloor heating, um, and they're not the easiest systems always to use. Mm -hmm. And I think and there's there's a few times I could recall over the years uh, properties underfloor heating, and I've went to do the inspection or I've been in the property for whatever, um, and I've never used underfloor underfloor heating because I don't know how to turn it on, uh, I don't know how to properly operate it or do you know what I mean the settings on it, and they are difficult. And I, I think there was one. Um, a few years back and I remember trying to work it out myself and it was like I don't know how to do this <laughs> and usually I'm quite good with boilers and heating systems and like uh, heating systems under the floor and things but anyway so yeah it can happen to anybody um not everything is obvious to the naked eye so check if any doors windows are sticking whether it's warm enough inside during the winter and everything um and every lock still functions and your tenant feels secure I think that's like window locks and things are important um, we've come across, uh, I'm sure, obviously, I'm sure you have, Kim, uh, keys for windows being lost and windows being locked without keys, which I think is really important. That shouldn't be, I think all windows should be, um, if they're able to lock, have a key there present um, to, uh, to open the window. I mean, that's a total safety issue to me. Um, and I think that um, there should always be that access in and out of windows and things. Uh, and those little keys for windows are so easy to lose. Um, 
and that that's been an issue that we've dealt with over the, over the years, I think, as well. Um, nothing ever gets better by itself, but it's easy for tiny issues and niggles to go unreported until they become larger problems. And when they build up, they become reasons for your tenant to look for a new home without you ever getting the chance to put things right. And that's a, that's a that's a good statement because it is all those little niggling things that could maybe frustrate frustrate a tenant to the point where they're like, I'm just going to go somewhere else. When really, if we had worked together and fixed them, they didn't have to. They could have just stayed where they were. Um, and um, I have seen that happen in the past, where, uh, and not not to the fault of the tenant or us in particular. It's just the communication wasn't kept up in, in between, and the tenants never thought to report it. But it's things that have kind of prompted them to go, and then we're unaware of those uh, issues. So, and then ultimately they end up leaving, and then that that's a shame because it could have been resolved. So inspections are really important to pick up on things like that. Um, I'm sure you would agree with that, Karen, yeah. Yeah, just as we say, addressing all the little niggles that are there, because all these little things build up and people like, get to the point where they've just they've had enough of it. So it's it's better to be out and have a look at them and address them. And even if it is just a case of getting a handyman in for an hour or two just to address these issues, it shows the tenant that you're wanting to actually, like, look after your property and in turn they are more inclined to look after it because they see you're doing the same um, I think situations like that tend to go hand in hand like if you have a good landlord that's looking after the property the tenant knows that they're more inclined to look after it whereas if you've got a landlord that's like oh I don't want to get that done or that's not getting done the tenants don't care as much to look after it so I think it's making sure you find a good balance of the landlord looking after the property as well as the tenant so the two can go hand in hand together yeah, and you, you'll tend to find, I mean, we've got a lot of general handymen who could do joinery and a wee bit of plumbing and just like minor issues. And if there's several of them in one property, it just takes one visit and then they rectify all those issues and that's it. And that could um, that could avoid a lot of uh, bigger issues further down the line and ultimately maybe possibly losing your tenant, which is not what you want. Um, so I think let's look at the property checklist or obviously like the inspection report. Uh, and not every tenant or every homeowner, for that matter, notices everything all the time. So keep a level head when looking around and remember that wear and tear is a fact of life and you'll always notice more after six months than seeing something every day. Um, so yeah, I think to have that periodic check, you you notice how things might have changed or how things are different. Or, do you mean, there may, be, there may be a small mark on the wall appearing somewhere that's maybe something to do with water ingress that the tenant's maybe not picked up on. But you walk in instantly and think, oh, that was maybe the last time. And then that, that kind of takes you into where and lies that problem um, and allows you to rectify that. So, yeah, and I think and, and on our property checklist um, or our inspection report, which I think is good, Karen, and we spoke about just uh, at the beginning there, is we have certain things already marked on that for us to check, like smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, uh, the bins, the garden. Do you know what I mean? We've got all those prompts on it. Um, to make sure that we're picking up on all these individual things. Um, I think obviously you'll, you'll know how handy that is to work on the, the, inspe the inspection checklist. I mean, I know yourself, you've probably done hundreds of inspections and it'll probably be second nature to you, but um, it's good to have that to refer back to. It is, especially if you're out and you're obviously you're, if the tenant's there and you're talking to them about something, sometimes you'll just, you get so caught up in the conversation with them and you're like, oh, right, okay, where was I? And it's good <laughs> yeah. to just like work off as kind of like a checklist so you know you're covering every aspect of it rather than ending up getting distracted or maybe they've got a nice pet, a nice wee pet in the property and obviously 
whenever a tenant's got a pet, you always give yourself a little bit extra time. So, <laughs> but um, obviously, it's, it's good to work through as a checklist because obviously you're there to speak to the tenant as well, and sometimes you just get totally caught up in the conversation. And you're, it's good to be like, right, okay, these are the things I still need to check. So I'll, I'll get on with it, basically. Yeah, it's good to talk, as they say. Um, but as I touched on there, water issues are by far the most common. Uh, and damp or mould can appear from many, for many reasons. Uh, from piled up products against tiles, blocked extractor fans and drying clothes on radiators to poor ventilation or external leaks. Identify the cause, then find a solution. Um, and those point those um issues there i think you'll agree can are a lot of the most common ones i think uh, and ones that could be the most costly i think if there's an issue with water ingress or there is an actual issue with damp um, they can become a very costly repair if they're left unchecked uh, like you say as you do and that's why one of the things about coming in the daylight you like to do an external check and obviously look inside. I mean, if it's dull inside and you're, you're there at night time rather than the day and there's a lamp on, you might not notice a water ingress patch on the ceiling or on the on the wall. Um, but yeah, and then uh, obviously extractor fans, check that these are functioning um, because without that circulation of air, we're going to have condensation, which then leads to mould and isn't always necessary. It's not necessarily damp. It's just a problem of condensation building up because there isn't a lot of ventilation. Ventilation is very important if you're drying clothes. Um, and I'm just, as I, as, I, as I see you're about to join in, this is a whole topic on its own as well. <laughs> it is. Obviously, I, I feel like the, the amount of years that we've been doing this, mm -hmm. between the amount of damp reports that I've had to deal with and the amount of properties that I've been in and had a look at whatever type of mould or watermark there is, I feel like a bit of an expert on it by now. <laughs> I've had so much experience on it. So tenants phone up and they're like, I've got this issue. And I'm like, it's condensation. And I'm, they're like, no, I've, I've got a leak. I've definitely got a leak. And I'm like, you've not. It's like, it's condensation. So it's going out, having a look and just saying to them, look, this is where it's coming from. This is how to address it. I was like, it's really common, especially at this time of the year. Yeah. I think this is kind of the time that you find people that are that are phoning up and having issues of it. And um, it's just saying to them, obviously, you can clean it down with a water and bleach solution. You get mould and mildew sprays that are amazing. And all you have to do is spray it and it'll take it away again. But it's obviously addressing the main aspect of just the general living in the property it's making sure the property is ventilated um, and making sure that the area like say you're not drying washing directly on radiators um, so it's just obviously giving tenants like tips on how to deal with it as well so obviously we do have some tenants that are quite adamant that it is an issue so it's a case of getting a damp report done by the specialists and then you can say to them look this this is the report it is condensation this is how to deal with it and giving them because obviously when the company that we use when we do when they do carry it out and they do get condensation they'll send us over the the leaflet on it on how it's caused what the main factors of it are and how to deal with it so that's really good information like I have that saved on my laptop so mm -hmm. whenever a tenant is having issues of it I can give it to them and say look this is a, com a specialist company's advice on how to deal with it and these are the pro tips and if not my recommendation is a, a dental spray. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this through the week, um, about these sprays and how good they are, and actually, and it's not something we're expecting a tenant to do that we don't do ourselves because yeah. we've actually used them in our own homes, mm -hmm. like comparing what what the good ones were and, and and what to recommend for tenants to use and things. So yeah, it's all about uh, obviously being in the know. And like you say, when you've dealt with it so many times, um, there is uh, more than likely a, a 
logical remedy for uh, these kind of problems, and it is usually down to ventilation and 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 doing things properly if you're drying clothes or like obviously if there's if it's a family home and there's a lot of showers going on, there needs to be uh, an extractor fan in the bathroom, um, and or and or open the window. Uh, if that's not happening, then you start to see um, the effects of that on the ceiling and the walls and and if you and obviously around the bath and in the ground the tiles and things as well which could be quite unpleasant and unsightly but easily remedied if it's done if it's looked at properly yeah and it's just addressing the issue in instance because obviously something like mold if you do not clear it it will it will just keep going like yeah. if, whenever it's like any form of mold whether it's a leak or whether it's just condensation they're not going to stop unless you address them. So unless you adjust some way that you're something that you're doing in the property that's contributing to it and keep on top of the cleaning of it, it's still going to be an issue. And as well, when it is actually like coming from water ingress issues, it's identifying whether it's the gutters, whether it's the roof, whether it's maybe the seal on the bath is gone and it needs to be sealed. That is one of the main things that I check when I'm doing an inspection, check the seal around the bath or the shower to make sure that's intact because if that you've got water going down there it's going to affect your ceiling potentially a light so and then you're going to have to get the it redecorated and possibly the electrics checked to make sure they're still safe so it's eliminating these things in the first instance so they don't turn into an actual issue that you're that could be quite costly to rectify yeah like i say that could probably be a, wee, a mini show all on its own uh, you might do that with daycare and put it out so <laughs> from that on guys because that is and i think it's a really important one and it would be good for uh for tenants and things and landlords alike um because there's uh, a few just really simple remedies that can avoid such much uh, bigger problems um an interesting point here is if your tenants like plants check that saucers under pots are waterproof unglazed terracotta or a uh, porous which can leak uh, and leave watermarks and stains on your floor or windowsills so ask your tenant to swap them for glazed and plastic replacements. And funnily enough, I have actually had this in the past as a tenant and she loved her plants and she had, there was a big windowsill uh, and she had lots of plants in it and whatever, but um, we had to make sure that obviously she had all the right saucers and things underneath because otherwise, over a long period of time, that would have just totally warped the whole windowsill. Um, but she didn't and she looked after the plants and things as well. Um, so yeah, that is a good point. And it's all these wee, wee things that you need to look at. Um, because over time, if they've maybe, maybe got nice wooden floors and they've got a big plant in the corner, um, they'll what do they have under that? Because if that's left for a long period of time with water running through, it's going to ruin your floor. Um, and if it's a, a wooden floor, you might not be able just to cut out a square and replace it. You would probably have to lift it out, and that could be expensive. So that's a good point. I'll be thinking, what's under mine now? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Um, like mugs and everything like it is yeah. the, to be honest it's one thing i never actually thought of but you think of like mugs and obviously you see so yeah. often like tents put mugs on windowsills and you've got ring marks or cups and it's that's one thing i've never actually thought of is plant pots yeah but yeah i mean like you say hot cups and things i mean if a place is furnished um then obviously the tenant has a duty care to look after that furnishing so they should be using like coasters and things and um, because I mean, a lot of ring marks might not come out, and it might ruin the whole piece of furniture. Or, like you say, windowsills would need to be sanded back and be stained, and just unnecessary um, work goes into obviously rectifying things that could have been avoided. Um, here's a good one: it's uh, leaks below sinks are easily missed when hidden behind bins or household products, but they only ever get worse and can cause uh, damaged cupboards, floors, and even allow water into the adjoining homes. Now, obviously, that is a uh, thing that we've come up a lot in the past because it does happen under the sink and everyone's got all their 
cleaning bottles crammed in under their sink and it's knocked the pipe work uh, knocked the pipe work underneath off and even if it's just that little leak but over a period of time um, and you wouldn't be aware until maybe you see I've seen this before it's like it's not until you see the front edge of the cup the the cupboard at the bottom starting to expand or warp because the water is soaking up the water at the back but you're not aware of that until you see it or it all, all of a sudden it will burst and can cause damage ruin the the uh, units and even go down into the property below we've actually had a few lately from uh, reports from our tenants but off the property upstairs leaking into them we've had a couple of that over the last few weeks actually kim mm-hmm. um, and i'm sure you've obviously dealt with a few of them over the years um but I think review the condition of all the fixtures and fittings, I think, because that's what kind of uh, the important thing here, uh, including door handles, locks, switches, appliances, taps, shower heads and hoses, floor coverings and window treatments. Um, and these are, there are a lot of main points to look at. Um, but yeah, appliances, switches, locks, and just like I say, so that the functions of the property are fine. Um, because if there's all these wee sticking points with the operations of things or if every day a tenant's coming in and out their door and the door's expanded and it doesn't shut right and you need to push it shut or um, the lock's really stiff and something that they don't maybe necessarily feel they need to pick up the phone and report to you but you, but you would pick up in the inspection and otherwise if it's not picked up then it's something that's going to niggle at them and niggle at them and niggle at them and ultimately frustrate them about living in the property uh, and, and as well <laughs> yeah yeah, and you'd be amazed how something that small could actually change the mindset of somebody about living in a property when it could be rectified so easily. Um, uh, is the freezer overloaded with ice? Does the washing machine have sitting water or mould um, on the door? Is the oven cracked? Uh, sorry, is the oven caked in food or the cooker hood clogged with grease? Now that's like cooker hood, um, the filters and things. Uh, We've seen them they, uh, without being cleaned properly. Um, basically, you just have to really take them out and bend them, uh, whereas they could be cleaned and things uh, quite easily. These can affect the lifespan of your appliance as well as your tenants, utility bills, and their security deposit. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, this is down to the tenant to to make sure these things are looked after and cleaned. I mean, sometimes if an oven or, a, like you say, the the filter and things get to a point where they're so dirty they can't be cleaned and they do have to be replaced um, and it could have been avoided and if it's down to the tenant then um, it will come out of their security deposit so it's at the tenant the tenant's benefit as well um, as well as the landlord and really you don't want to be having to take stuff off a tenant's deposit I mean there's nothing better when you go into the check everything's fine and um, the tenant gets the deposit back and moves on to wherever they're going and that's fine and that I mean that's the ideal situation and a lot of the time that is how it works but um, yeah, I mean, inspections allow you to make sure these problems are not going to just all be bundled up into one thing at the end and we're unable to rectify them and then the tenant loses money. Uh, and the tenant feels maybe the, the, that it could have been avo- avoided and it probably could have. So, yeah, that I think that's a big uh, point and a very important thing with inspections is that um, it's not just to the landlord's benefit, it's to the tenants as well. Um, especially when it comes to obviously the, the end of the tenancy and the deposits. Um, outside, check for any junk or rubbish lying around at the front and rear gardens. Ensure that any any conditions in the tenancy agreement are being met around lawn management and the washing of decking and patio. Um, garden maintenance. There's a there's another topic all on its own. 
but uh, tenants are required to to maintain the garden but what i do always stress to landlords is that they are expected to maintain the garden but the garden has to be in a maintainable state to begin with do you know what i mean you can't i'm handing over property that the grass all needs cut and there's weeds everywhere and there's a big overgrown bush and things at the side then it's not fair to expect the tenant then to to keep up with that so always have gardens um well maintained and in a good condition and like i say it sets the tone for the tenant then obviously continuing that upkeep um, and that and, and inspection is a great uh, time to touch on the garden and check that it's been maintained uh we do have we've got we've got properties somewhere really big gardens Kim. yes um, i was thinking obviously <laughs> you've got ones that do have like these fancy gardens and yeah. In situations like that, it is advisable to have a gardener included within the tenancy, like have somebody coming out and the landlord has their own gardener that comes out and deals with. Obviously, the tenants yeah. still do like the grass, but yeah, we've got one that has a really fancy garden and it's there is a gardener that comes out and deals with the, the bit specifically that is obviously a bit more uh, specific to maintain, whereas obviously the tenant keeps on top of the grass and the gardener deals with the more intricate bits of the garden. Yeah, that, and that's what I say, there is gardeners in place for these ones, because, I mean, to, to a point, the expectation of a tenant to maintain a garden has to be reasonable. Uh, and I think, obviously, cutting the grass and weeding the patio and, like, say, cleaning down decking and things, but um, sometimes, like, de decking, maintenance and painting and things, is usually the, the landlord, obviously, steps in and does that. Some tenants like to do it themselves, and that's fine as long as it's done properly. I think when it comes to more mature gardens and trees and shrubbery and things, I think it's really important to have a garden a gardener in place to take care of those those things and sometimes the landlord will um include that as part of the, the obviously the tenancy sometimes tenants they uh, tend to go to go halfers or whatever and just have the whole lot done so they don't need to do anything at all and uh, and that's quite that's a, a mutual agreement at the beginning of the tenancy and that's and everybody's happy because the landlord's happy to contribute because they know that the, the garden's been maintained and the tenant's happy to contribute because they then don't have to do gardening. Not everybody likes gardening, uh, and especially if it's quite a, a big garden, then it's a, it's a big undertaking. Uh, people are busy, people work, people have got family, people have got social lives, and maybe um, weeding and cutting the garden is not on the priority list, but as long as you're making sure it's taken care of one way or another, then that's fine. Um, if you have a loft, uh, scan for leaks and, and holes or signs of birds uh, and pests. Um, and I think, yeah, if it's easy to access the loft or have a quick look into maybe um, the eaves of a roof, uh, sometimes when you're in the, the, the rooms with cum ceilings and they've got the, these doors, just have a quick look, make sure everything's okay. Um, obviously, we, we've dealt with a lot of pest problems in the past. Whether that just be a bee's nest or a wasp nest, or, do you know what I mean? And so that's a good uh, time to pick up on things like that as well. Uh, and again, obviously leaks. and. Sometimes from the, the inner side of the roof, it's easy to identify a problem because you see the daylight coming through and you shouldn't see daylight coming through your roof. And if you do, <laughs> that's a, that is a sign for you to obviously have a repair done. And then I think after the inspection, once you've completed your inspection, be sure to follow up with the tenant with a written report while it's still fresh in your mind. And that's always important. Once you've done the inspections, Karen, um, is to get back to the office, get them written up. Uh, although you have all your notes, there's maybe some things still in your mind that you think, that, and, and have all that put together and off to the landlord for them to check as soon as possible. There's no point in doing an inspection one week and then having it all typed up and sent out a week or two later. Um, it's, it's best done, obviously, when things are fresh in our mind. Uh, acknowledge any concerns raised by your tenants and set out a timescale of any agreed repairs, maintenance or improvements. 
then book the contractors as soon as possible to keep up the momentum. Uh, and I think that's just demonstrates um, demonstrates you've been really proactive as an agent or a landlord that as soon as you've been out, you come away, you review it, speak to a contractor, then go back to the tenant and say, right, this is what's going to happen to rectify this. Um, and that again establishes that that good relationship where you think, right, these 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 agents or this landlord is going to like rectify things as soon as there's something wrong and it makes them feel a lot more comfortable in their property. And you can also include any changes that your tenant needs to make to ensure your property stays well cared for. The report can be checked off at your next mid inspection, then again at the end of the tenancy in conjunction with the inventory to minimise any disputes. Um, and yes, inventory is very important uh, as well. And it's good to have that to refer to when you do an inspection and you think mm, that wasn't like that. You've got that record uh, on the uh, inventory. And inventory is so important when it comes to the end of the tenancy and dealing with the deposit. But again, that could be a whole show on its own. And it has been in the past. We've done we've done inventories and they are so important. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of really good points. And I think um, it was good to have your perspective on it, Karen. Obviously, we're doing inspections for, for all these years. And I think, yeah, good points that you've picked up. Uh, on this morning for any landlord and any landlord or agent who's dealing with the management of properties should be aware of. Um, so yeah, do you have any final thoughts on today's show? Yeah, obviously I think inspections are a really important thing. It's not only building up your relationship with the tenant, but the property is being checked, making sure things are being looked after and it nips any small issues in the bud so they don't escalate and become big costly repairs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think mid-tenancy inspections are the glue that holds tenancies together and the key to keeping your property in good shape. Uh, you nip problems in the bud, your relationship with your tenant stays fresh and you can rest easy knowing that your property is in good hands. Um, and I think um, the main thing to point out um, that we discussed this morning, I think it is all about building that relationship with your tenant and having them feel comfortable about coming forward and discussing issues with you and bringing them to your attention. Um, if they don't do that, it could cost you money and it could have an effect on your entire um, investment and your entire portfolio even if you've got a problem in a property which has escalated to a point where it could be quite costly and really could have been avoided all through communication and carrying out an inspection so so i think that's us for this morning that was a really good topic Karen, and thanks so much for joining and uh, as i say for giving all your insights for first hand from doing inspections throughout the years okay no problem. Okay, that was great, Karen. Thanks for joining me this morning, and we will see you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.